The service sector is an important part of the U.S. economy. According to BEA, in 2009, services accounted for 79.6% of the U.S. private sector gross domestic product, or GDP. You can also calculate this to be $9.8 trillion. Services jobs accounted for more than 80% of the U.S. private sector employment, or 89.7 million jobs. So imagine if you just tapped into 1% of $1 trillion. You would have a billion dollar company. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. excited about this conversation where we get to sit down with someone who is developing or has developed uh, what I believe to be groundbreaking opportunity uh, to connect consumers uh, with uh, services and connect service providers with consumers. On the line, we have Arthur Burris. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, you, uh, your company has developed an app, uh, Portero. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and the app and more about your company. So a little bit about me. Born and raised in Los Angeles, California, 1966, so 53. 23 years of professional experience in yeah. the financial and technology industries. Okay. PayPal. Uh, you know, from a financial technology industry, Microsoft, J.P. Morgan Chase, and General Electric, and also six years in the Air Force that gave me that, you know, discipline foundation. But that's a little bit about me. And then one of the stories that I would like to talk toward the end, which gives the foundation for the developing this solution and the opportunity for everyone, is something that unique that happened to me at age 13. Sure, sure. We can dive into it now if you like. Yeah. So everyone has an event or an accident or an incident that occurs in their life that actually sets the foundation for their purpose. Okay. Um, 
I didn't find my purpose until later on in life, but the foundational incident that happened at age 13, 1979, Los Angeles. Okay. Um, somehow, you know, my mother and father were divorced at age five. So eight years later, you know, I didn't know the whereabouts of my dad or my family for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what I did, but I was disciplined at home. You know, this is a Monday evening. And during the course of that discipline, you know, the belt buckle hit me in my left eye. Mm. So um, wake up Tuesday morning. Of course, the eye is red. And my mother, you know, is like, hey, if anyone asks, you know, just say it's pink eye. You know, I'm 13. I I don't know any better. Right. 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 So I go to school. Uh, Teachers notice, you know, eyes kind of red. Hey, mother says pink eye. You know, they don't push. Uh, wake up Wednesday, you know, the eye is starting to uh, flutter, you know, as soon as you hit the light. Um, teachers ask again, pink eye. Thursday, you know, the eye is starting to shut down, right? You know, it hits the light, my eye is shutting. Friday, I go in, one of my teachers, and, and this sets the foundation for everything. She takes me to the nurse's office, and this is a Friday. So a nurse looks at me. There's nothing I can do with this. Um, we need to send them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Go to the hospital. Um, they do emergency laser surgery on my eye. Right. And this, this tears me up every time I talk about it. But if I went one more day, and this is the value of time, whether it's one second and a person surviving an accident or one hour where someone's waiting for an organ transplant. Yeah. Well, for me, it was one day that, was the difference of me losing my eye in sight. Mm. And if it wasn't for this teacher advocating for me um, to um, make sure that I have medical attention, I would have lost that eyesight. Wow. Um, to add more to it, because they consider that child abuse, uh, I didn't know the whereabouts of my dad at that time. I ended up going to juvenile hall for a, a month and a half. And um, anybody knows anything about Juvenile Hall in, in the early 80s, late 70s, it's, it wasn't a good place to be. Right. I, w- I was a great student, <laughs> straight A student. So my teacher advocated for me again. And she said he doesn't belong there. Um, she made sure she collected my schoolwork to make sure that I can stay on my progression through junior high school years. Uh, we went to court and she fought to have me you know, incorporated into her home. Right. And the agreement was that she would incorporate me into her home for the year and a half to finish my junior high school years. And then in high school, I ended up going to the foster care system. And then after high school, I progressed. But the reason why it's foundational is had she not advocated for me to get out of juvenile hall and take me into her home, I may not have had that 23-year professional career in finance and technology for Fortune 25 companies that I you know, worked at and the Fortune 500 company PayPal, and I wouldn't have the opportunity to bestow this gift to the world today, making a societal impact with every service transaction. And the, you're saying the reason why you may not have had that is because, because you were there, you were able to get treatment or... or- well, what are you what are you saying is the connection? So there's a couple of things, right? Okay. I, a, I wouldn't have 
probably have my eye in sight. So I probably would not have had that career. The okay. secondary part of it is I may have been stuck in juvenile hall and, mm. and worse had she not fought to get me out of that system earlier so I can finish my junior high school year. Because, you know, as you go through junior high, then you progress to high school. I may not have had that opportunity because she made sure I got my, received my work, but then she fought to have me implemented into her household for a year and a half. So the, the circumstances in Los Angeles could have been a lot different for me. I could have went down the path of uh, no return. Yeah, (laughs) I understand. So let me ask you this. So as you're building your career, is that a a driving force that's always behind you day to day as you're going, you know, and building uh, great revenues for companies, building your own company? Are you thinking about that in the back of your mind? I've always thought about how can I find a way to give back? You know, throughout my course of career, you know, I always consider myself lucky. Um, you know, if I have my last dollar, I will give it to someone that was, in, you know, asking, you know, for money. You know, if I see a family or whatever, because I always could think that that could be me. And I think everyone should think that that could be them. And of course, yeah. there's hard work and ethics and there's other things that go on drugs and everything else. But you still have to look at society and say that could be you. You, you should give back and help that individual. So it's always been in the back of my mind is how can I take my God-given talents because I was fortunate and help others. And it didn't dawn on me really until, because, you know, as you're trying to progress through your career, you're trying to learn more, advance yourself, and figure out your purpose in life. It didn't happen until, you know, while I was working at PayPal, you know, I traveled back and forth from Arizona to California. Um, eBay and PayPal had just split in 2015. So I took a voluntary separation. So I'm sitting at home, 2015, approaching 2016, and I'm like, what do I do next in my life? I've had this great 20-plus year career. What do I do next? So I wanted to go into nonprofit. You know, I wanted to work at a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. So I put some feelers out there on LinkedIn, and one company called. Their name is We See Hope, and We See Hope, which stands for World Eye Cancer um, Hope. They're an advocate for retinoblastoma. Hmm. Now, retinoblastoma, as a lot of people probably are not aware, is a very rare genetic eye cancer. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that they're not really taught that much in ophthalmology school, but it's in the lower 1% to 2% of if I know if I'm saying this correctly, but it always results in 90% of those individuals having their eyes removed. I mean, they have no sight. There's a cancer. It can spread. The only way to save from spreading further is to remove the eyes. So I'm elected as a board member. Uh, I go to the first board meeting in 2016. I'm the last one to be introduced, but I'm surrounded by individuals that are either adults that are impacted with retinoblastoma or there's parents that have children that are impacted by retinoblastoma. And I'm the only one in the room that doesn't know anyone or have been impacted by this. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, I'm in tears. I'm, I'm literally in tears. And, you know, I, I feel it. 
right? You know, it's a very impactful financially, mentally, and physically on these individuals and their families, and they're woefully underfunded compared to other cancers. Right. So, you know, it was a year and a half later, I had to step away. And I said, here's the best way I can help move We See Hope and retinoblastoma advocacy forward. And this is the conversation where you were leading to is, how do I take the collective capabilities that I have and the professionals and, and friends that I know to create Portiero, something that we can give the gift of time to users and make life easier for service providers while having a foundational purpose of making a societal a societal impact with every service transaction. That's and, right. And so what did you get, come up with? So that's where we came up with Protero. But our okay. number one metric, our number one success metric to support that is we have a non-contribution, we have a non-profit contribution to service transaction ratio okay. of two to one. So what we're saying is for every service transaction that will happen in the Portero marketplace when it launches, we are enabling, because there will be a donut ne- Donate Now button in the marketplace, sure. we are enabling both consumers and service providers to donate to a local nonprofit of their choice, and we will also contribute as well. So that's that secondary contribution, whereas we will always contribute at every service transaction but we would like our users to contribute as well so we can support their cause. And that's our two-to-one ratio that we're looking for because we're looking to impact. We want to make, our, our, our vision is to make over 300 million contributions to local nonprofits. And they can be global because we're going on a global scale. But that's our number one metric that we're achieving is how do we attain 315 or 300 million plus contributions through the marketplace to nonprofit organizations. I love it. So <laughs> look, let's look at this a little bit deeper. Let's, let's dive in here. So you're taking what uh, is a normal transaction. When, when I say normal, this is what I mean. You're taking uh, a service provider, providing a service to uh, a client or a consumer of some sort, and that's a regular for-profit transaction, correct? I'm on the right, right path? Yeah, correct. And so that regular for-profit transaction is occurring, but, but during that exchange, you, you're creating a space uh, for uh, nonprofits to get into the game as well uh, by allowing these for-profit uh, companies to then take a portion of their proceeds and donate uh, a portion to their nonprofit of choice. Am I still on the right path here? Correct. And so it's a groundbreaking solution because everything is happening all at once. Real time, right? You know, you're, you're paying for your completion of your services as a user. You rate your service provider like, hey, you know, provide a great service. And then, hey, you know what? I'm going to, oh, I could donate to a cause of my choice. So you have partnering nonprofits that we're looking to partner with. So this would be great. If there's any nonprofit organizations that are listening you know, please contact me. We'll give you that information at the end. I love to partner with you. But yes, they can donate. And the service providers, when they receive the payment in the app, because everything is happening in app, 
they get to rate the consumer on their attitude, but then like, hey, I can donate to a cause of my choice. We'll contribute as well. So the opportunity is there could be actually four contributions to a local nonprofit with every service transaction. Our goal is two to one, whereas at least the user, one user, hopefully the consumer, contributes and we contribute as well. That's the, what we're looking for is how do we make that societal impact? So break that down for me. Uh, I, I, was, I was never that great at math. But <laughs> break down the four. How do I get the four per transaction? So there's two apps, right? It's a B2C business to consumer marketplace app. Okay. So there would be a consumer app, Portero Consumer, right. and it's Portero Service Provider. Okay. So as the users, consumers, use the app, you know, they schedule the services, they're paying for the service, then they're able to donate to a local nonprofit, right? Right. And, of course, when they donate, we contribute as well through an algorithm. We'll contribute percentage of the revenue. So now I'm at two. You're at two. So, remember, these apps are connected, service yes. by the consumer. So the service provider accepts service requests from consumers initially. They complete it, but then they receive pay in app. So as soon as you receive, say, your haircut or your beard trim or a face shave or your manicure and pedicure, you send a payment to the provider. The provider receives the payment. Oh, I got paid. Oh, I could donate as well. So I can donate a percentage of the payment that I just received to a local nonprofit. And then with eight, you're at three, and then we can contribute as well behind that. So there's your four opportunities. So you, so your company is uh, could potentially contribute twice, depending on if both consumer and service provider both contribute to the nonprofit to a, a nonprofit organization. Correct. But let me ask this: in that transaction, could it be four different nonprofits that ended up receiving something, or is it all going to the same nonprofit? Or how does that work? Two different nonprofits? It could be two different nonprofits, right? So the consumer could have their own. Let's say you have, you're a consumer. You could have your own nonprofit of choice and we'll contribute. And then the okay. service provider may have their own individual um, cause that they're passionate about, whether it's children's health, women's health, men's health, et cetera, and we'll contribute. So most likely there'd be two different ones. And then our default is if no one opts, which should be rare, opts to donate, then we'll select causes that we're passionate about from a corporate perspective and donate to those after each transaction. So there would be a minimum of at least one um, based on our contribution if nothing was picked, but we're hoping for, you know, two to four uh, ratio. I love the concept. I really <laughs> love this concept. You got me really excited. So people who are listening to this, uh, I'm going to go real uh, simplify here. What exactly do you consider to be a service provider? For those who are listening and they're like, huh, am I a service provider? What, what, what am I as a business? What is a service provider and what would be the criteria to be a service provider on your platform? So the criteria to be a service provider would be they would have to pass a criminal background check. And the okay. reason why is because the app is bringing these personalized services into people's homes their place of business, or a friend's house. So let's say, hey, you're busy. You know what? I'm on a haircut. I'm on the road. I don't have time to go to my normal barber. Can I have my barber come to me at my place of business 
or my friend's house, right? Right, right? Or that that woman that needs her hair styled or makeup. She's getting ready to go out or important event. You know, have that hairstylist and that makeup artist come to them. So security, consumer safety is one of the voice of the customer that we obtain earliest. Yeah, we would love to use on-demand services marketplace apps, but we have a concern about safety. So we made sure that we do conduct criminal background checks up front. So as soon as the service provider signs up, and I'll go over that those categories, they pass that criminal background check. We verify their business licenses. Then they're able to create their profile. These are the services I provide. Here's how much it costs. Here's how long it takes. And I'm ready to do business. I love it. I so love here's it. the so here's the service. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Keep going. So there's there's seven service categories that we'll initially focus on. And then, of course, there are service types underneath it. So the seven categories are beauty and personal care. You have home and garden. You have health and wellness. You have food and beverage. You have automotive and transport. Pets and animals. And entertainment and events. Now, let me take another clip down. Beauty and personal care, that's where you have your hairstylist, your makeup artist, your barbers, manicure, pedicures, estheticians. Under home and garden, you would have like your landscapers, your home cleaners, things like that. Health and wellness, your yoga practitioners, your personal fitness trainers, you know, beads, people that sell crystal and healing beads, things of that nature. Food and beverage, we're looking for food. Um, car delivery, um, service providers, Mm -hmm. uh, personal chefs, because that's, you know, meal preparers, Mm -hmm. automotive and transport and mobile car wash. We're already partnering with uh, a company called Valet Parts, which is another uh, African-American entrepreneurial business where they have on-demand mechanics. So, you know, I was glad to partner with him and help him out to save him some money on developing the app because they can, on board to our platform. You have pets and animals where you have dog walkers, dog sitters, groomers, veterinarians, entertainment events, your event planners, you know, people that are planning for weddings, security, you know, all of that, right? So what we're trying to do is, uh, what we will do is give an opportunity for any service provider. They can go to our website, portero.com, P-O-R-T-E-I-R-O.com. You can go to the marketplace page. You'll see the sub-service types within these service categories. I would love to have everyone sign up as a service provider. But the foundation is, you know, is to give them the opportunity to go mobile. And then also the value that we're delivering is we'll pay the payment processing fees because we want to make sure that we're not only an extra sales channel for these sales service providers, but we're also giving them some value as far as you no longer have to pay the 3% transaction fee to receive payment through the app. I love that as well. So you know, what I'm also hearing that I really enjoy is outside of, you know, this being an opportunity to uh, pour into nonprofits, you're also creating an environment that uh, is built around safety uh, and uh, you can have more reliabilities than some other areas. 
uh, that are currently in the marketplace. Because right now it's like the wild, wild west where everybody yes. <laughs> can just do whatever they want to. They can say that they're one thing and then they show up and they've never cut hair a day in their life, <laughs> you know. And so uh, this kind of creates that, that space where you can have more reliability and more assurance uh, for hiring people in, in the service industry. Exactly. So Porterio is a lifestyle concierge app, and it, it touches basically it summarizes what you just said, that safely brings personalized services to you anytime, anywhere, giving the consumers the gift of time and then for service providers, reducing fees. And as you as you're launching this app, this is something that is going to be. Uh, across all 50 states, uh, international? What, what is the vision uh, for, your, for your app and for your company? So the vision is we'll start initially in North America. We plan on launching by December. Um, so we're looking really for January 2020 to be our scaling period. Awesome. We, do plan, we do plan to go um, international. We plan to enter the market or the continent of Africa by April of next year. And then we plan to go beyond that in different countries, you know, after that. But that was our main focus is how do we enter the, the continent of Africa by April of 2020? So then we have North America and Africa as our main uh, user base and then progress from there to be a global marketplace app. I love it. So how do, how do you leverage the experience that you had at a place like PayPal? And what are some of the skill sets that you learned helping these billion-dollar companies become billion-dollar companies? And what, what, what skill set is, is, you know, mainly what you're bringing uh, to your own platform? For those who uh, may be looking to, you know, start their own platform and understand what it takes, what are some of those skill sets that you're utilizing the most? Well, I've been fortunate in that in those 23-year career to span multiple Fortune 25 companies, and then the last one was PayPal, which is a Fortune 500. So I have background in finance, operations, and technology. The underlying foundation as far as expertise was I was trained at General Electric as first a green belt, Six Sigma green belt, then I mastered that, I became a Six Sigma black belt, and then I became a Six Sigma master black belt. And what it is, is it's a statistical data-focused profession that uses data to make decisions, business decisions. Mm-hmm. And you set a target, you want to see how close you want to hit that target or exceed that target as effectively and as efficiently as possible. So using data to make those decisions, as well as, you know, your, your soft making skills, because you have to learn how to collaborate with others, bring people along with you. And I think that's been my success in my career is how do I take a person's vision or their capabilities and we create this unified vision, goal, objective? And I think that's what's helped me in my you know, career to generate over $4 billion in corporate value for these companies, you know, so being an innovator, you know, I always think creatively and how do I, you know, we sit back with teams and what's happening today, what's a customer frustration, what can we do differently? I was born in the era of the Jetsons. Mm -hmm. So everything that you see that happened 
that was in cartoons 50 years ago is happening now, right? Yep. So if you think back to Star Trek, Star Trek had the very first flip phone. If everyone goes back to the early days, Star Trek had the first flip phone, right? Mm-hmm. They had the hologram. Yep. Right? So mm-hmm. if you go to the Jetsons, they had the flying car, the mechanical dog, the mechanical robot, right? If you look at everything that happened in the 60s, these individuals were 50 years ahead of their time. That's how I think. I think so futuristic is like, all right, if this is happening today, we can do something different. And it's all, and you have to make a significant impact, is how I look at it. And then I, I bring people along with that vision. So that's the innovative side. Uh, there's the analytical side, and I was good at math. And I think one of those foundations probably happened as, as my childhood because my, you know, my parents were divorced at age five. All I knew at that time with my mother, being a single mother, you know, uh, providing as best she could, my passion then was baseball cards. And back in the day, those tops baseball cards if you go back to the 60s and 70s, on the mm-hmm. back of those cards, you could actually play a baseball game. Hmm. So on the back, they would have a diamond of a baseball field mm-hmm. and then on the player in the front. But then they were like, all right, single, one back of the card would be a home run, a double, triple, strikeout, ground out. So my numbers profession actually started, I started keeping score off of baseball cards on pieces of paper. I was, I was actually doing statistics Mm. At the age of like seven, eight, just playing baseball cards mm-hmm. because that was my only entertainment. You know, right. my, I wasn't allowed to go outside and play with kids. I was pretty sheltered as, as a young kid. Um, and I think it's, um, it may have helped me and it may have hurt me. And, you know, it's helped me now, you know, because I come out of that introvertedness to be more open. Uh, I've always been caring. But I think that it actually helped me with that math skill the foundation, uh, you know, with reading and math, I think that helped me in this. So the skills really was the structure that probably started with the military or probably was innate with me. The analytical side, which probably started at an early age, playing baseball cards. And then the technology came along with the innovativeness, you know, just from reading. I used to read a lot. I used to read Isaac Asimov novels back in the, the 70s. I used to read the whole books. I used to read so much. I probably would do a 500-page book in two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. I used to read J.R. Tolkien, The Hobbit, back in the, in the sense of all of that, Star Wars. I mean, I was, I was just mainly anything that was science fiction related, I read. And that's probably what's helped me from an innovative side throughout my career. Now, so. Now, I haven't had an opportunity to speak with a fellow uh, sports card collector. Mm-hmm. And so now that I have this opportunity, you got to <laughs> dive into this topic. So when I was I, growing up, I used to collect a little bit of baseball, but it was mainly basketball cards. And okay. Football. Okay. And so uh, I, I've never been good at the statistics part. I remember the hardest class I ever had as I was getting my master's in uh, business was a, a statistics class. Um, there was some nine-step problem. Like, this whole class was about this nine-step crazy problem that you had to do it in the order of operations, but you wouldn't have uh, the formula in front of you. You would just have to know how to do the formula. 
And I don't know how I passed that class with an A. I don't know how I did it, <laughs> but somehow I did. But back to the uh, basketball um, and football cards. What I what, when I look back on it, what was it all about? I was really good at understanding value. And so if a new uh, Shaq card came out, I had to understand, you know, if this is a you know, rookie of the year card uh, by Topps or whoever was doing the cards back then, you know, how more valuable is this than um, a Penny Hardaway card? Because then I would have to take these cards and understand. I would go buy the the uh, the book that would you know talk about value and and talk about well how valuable is this card and so I would trade with other people and try to you know take these two or three cards trade for that card because that card potentially could be worth this amount in the future so understanding kind of projected value um, so my question to you as a fellow collector is what was your favorite card that you can think back on was it based off of player or was it based off of something else that you can remember. Well, because you brought that up, man, about seven, ten years ago, I started kicking myself because I had a, I had a, I had a lot of cards. Mm-hmm. I probably had, if I can last count, because I had baseball and basketball cards. Right. I probably had like 10,000 cards. Wow. Man. And you know what? Somehow I, I lost throughout all of my different moves throughout my professional career because I was like, ah. You know, these cars are not worth anything. Yeah. And then I look back 10 years later, I'm like, man, I'm seeing, I'm watching on TV, a Carl Yastrzemski car, which I had a rookie year. Carl Yastrzemski car went wow. for like $5 million or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah. So the putting the value, <laughs> this is a lesson to everybody. Some things you should hold on to because yeah. <laughs> you don't know what that intrinsic value would be. Because if those ten thousand cards, I still I had rookie cards like uh, I had uh, Pete Maravich was one wow. of my that's that's that I mean I grew up in the sixties and seventies yeah, right yeah yeah so I had the Pistol Pete Maravich cards the Carl Yastrzemski Bay I had a Babe Ruth card I had all of that stuff oh man so somebody sitting on a gold mine whoever found it uh, yeah <laughs> but I think I never had really a favorite card I mean I just enjoy it was. It was for me that was my personal entertainment because yeah. it was it was there was part of a bumblegum um, package, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember. I think it was it might have I don't think it was Bazooka. I think it might have been Tops. So Tops had this, they had the card, and then they had this big piece of square gum. It probably wasn't the most healthiest of gum at the time because it was powdered sugar and all that. But mm-hmm. you know, they had the big piece of pink gum in front of the cars so i used to buy them and they were like probably what five ten cents yeah back in the day and to say the value of those cars today it man <laughs> you know some, sometimes i think like, maybe i need to get back into it because just like you i spent years doing it and then through moving and just growing up somehow i don't know where the cars are i i mean this used to be something i looked at daily i had a yes. big book and yes. i would stare at my cars every day yes and so i might have to get back into it because i really understand value and so if i'm looking at some of the players today it's like oh i know you know i think about like a on the boston celtics i'm looking at like a jason tatum if yes. i get me a good jason tatum card 25 <laughs> years from now it's over so, yeah you, but you have to you have to know like okay this player is projected to be this, you know, in the future. 
Well, just buy them, just get them all now. Wherever you just acquire them now, you never know mm-hmm. what's going to. I mean, no one knew Kobe Bryant was going to be as great as he was, right? Exactly. You know, straight out of high school. Like, who's this guy, right? You see where he ended up. Yeah. Kevin Garnett, same thing, straight out of high school. No one knew how great he was going to be, right? Shaq, I mean, we kind of figured it was going to be something there, but you see how his career turned out. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is a good case. Jimmy yeah. Butler was a 30th pick, and, you know, it took him a couple of years. But he persevered. Now he's he's arguably one of the best small forwards, you know, in, in, in the NBA. You know, he was like a forgotten man. And I don't know. I mean, you, you have to hold on to things that have intrinsic value to you. And you, you never know. You just never know. And what I'm learning is, okay, that same passion that I had for cars is now getting into this passion for you know uh business ownership yes <laughs> it's, it's the same <laughs> to me it's yes. almost the same thing of hey i want to own that company or i want to be a part of this brand or i want to partner with this person because i understand hey this is like you said that's jimmy butler that's the value nobody's paying attention over here but i know where this company is going over the next five or ten years and if nobody else sees it hey to heck with them. I'm going to go invest with this company. And so it's, it's that that same idea, that same feeling is kind of going into uh, the business world as well. I, I, I concur with that because the way I look at it is I didn't create this company just to create a business. The whole right. idea was there was a purpose and we wanted to create this experience. And the experience was, you know, I was that busy professional, right? I was traveling Sunday from, you know, Arizona to California to go work. And then I come home Friday. My whole Saturday was spent. All right, let's see. I got to drive over here 45 minutes one way, 90 minutes round trip to go get a head and facial shave, right? Mm-hmm. Now I have to go get the car wash. That's 30 minutes down the road, 20 minute wait, 30 minute drive back. That's an hour and a half, right? So that's, that's three hours of my day right there, right? Mm-hmm. Then, all right, I got to drop off my dry cleaning, pick up my dry cleaning, go get a manicure and pedicure, you know, every couple of weeks. I have to go buy groceries. I still have to clean the house, things like that, landscaping inside, outside. So when you look up, your Saturday is gone, right? Mm-hmm. You look at his Saturday evening, your friends are calling you like, hey, let's go out. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm good. I, I don't feel like going out because I have to get up and, and fly out. I have to pack and, and leave the next day. And I just spent the whole day just running around. And you look at that, it's like, all right, so how does 221 million other individuals feel on a daily basis, right? Because mm-hmm. all of these other busy professionals, well, what about your single moms? What about your single parents? What about the people that have kids? You know, they have this same issue of where does all the time go? Where's the time for me? You know, so I do not have to constantly be, you know, running around. Why can't those services come to you? So we focused on the experience that we wanted to simplify for everyone, not just in North America, but across the world. And that's what we focused on is how do we simplify the services experience for everyone and then have a societal impact with every service transaction. So we wanted to create that experience. and, And that was our passion with everyone on the team. So you're telling me that if I'm using your app, I can schedule everybody to come to me on a Thursday or whatever day 
that they've allowed that they said, okay, I'm available. I can have everybody come to me. I don't have to go to them anymore, and they'll be at my front door. Am I understanding that correctly? You're you're very correct. So we we're going to provide three options. Okay. A, they could come to your place of residence, and that's the reason why we're doing the the criminal background check. Right. They can come to your place of business if you choose, because you know, as a podcaster. You know, you're on the go, you may have a place set up or any you know person has a, a business. Mm-hmm. And then also any other place, you know, maybe you're at your friend's house. Maybe you're watching a football game or a basketball game. And, you know, the fellows all together or family is like, all right, you know what? Everyone could use a haircut, maybe have a personal chef come in and cater instead of going buying, you know, some takeout food. Why don't we have a personal chef come in and cook up some great food? And you can have a theme, you know, if you're playing the Saints, maybe it's, you know, jambalaya or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can have, you create themes, right, around your teams. You can have chefs come in, you can have barbers come in, trim up everybody so they're fresh for Monday morning. And, you know, you have that community feel, right, because you're actually giving back to the community by helping these solo entrepreneurs or small business owners. You're also creating that family feel because you're inviting friends and families over to you know participate in events and at the same time have services done that's a great that's that's a great feeling right there that's great times mm-hmm. it's a beautiful picture you're painting <laughs> um I, I really i i truly love what you're building here um my my takeaway is you're really creating uh an alternate universe for somebody to have for themselves. Um, Instead of kind of responding to the world, you can have the world respond to you. Uh, Exactly. And I I find that to be truly powerful and allow you to kind of manifest what you you desire. I guess my thing is, what about availability? Uh, Is is that going to be, is that really the the biggest uh, detriment is if I'm in a particular city uh, and I want that private chef, how far in advance do I need to make sure I get them? Is it the same day? What What, what are your thoughts on that? So we're, we're, we'll be working out all of the logistics, but okay. the thought is to be available 24-7. And that's the reason why we okay. say personalized services anytime, anywhere. Okay. Whether you're traveling, eventually whether you're traveling within North America you're traveling different states within North America or abroad. We want you to have those services available when you need them. So just think about it. You have all of the rideshare apps today. They're available 24-7. Same mm-hmm. concept, right? Mm-hmm. You have a hairstylist that wants to make money after hours. Probably the best time to make, uh, make money or have provide those services. So think about all of the women that are getting off of work on a Friday and the Saturday, the salon is so booked that they have to wait two, three weeks out to get the hair done mm-hmm. or makeup. So if you're, if you're a hairstylist that's just sitting there, you know, you, the kids are taken care of, you have some open time, Friday night and Saturday night, you can go service as many customers um, within a short amount of period of time than you would probably do through the course of a week. Wow. Can you, can you imagine just going to, you know, you got the girls' night out, they have all the girls over. They want to go out and the hairstyle and makeup come over and they do manicures and pedicures and they're all pretty before they go out. They don't have to spend their Saturday running around. They're taken care of. 
you know, same for the guy. You know, imagine, oh, I have to go out, you know, the car needs to be washed. There was a snowstorm, you know, hey, have the car wash detailer come to your house and, and wash your car. Or, you know, the pets, you know, you got a sick kid, but the pet needs to go to the vet, have the vet come to you. I love it. I love it. Um, do, now, I know your company is developing this app. Um, are you also looking at developing other apps as well? Is this a, an app development company? Is that kind of the, the vision? Not an app development company, but I want to provide the opportunity to listeners that are listening today and other solo entrepreneurs and small and business, small and medium-sized business owners. The idea is to build a marketplace platform that enables all service providers to connect to the marketplace and transact and do business. So, for example, Valet Parts is our first strategic partnership. Young African-American individual, solo entrepreneur, he was you know, developing an app. And as a lot of people do when you're developing apps, you have some headaches, some heartaches, some issues. So he spent a lot of money on an app to get developed, didn't come out to meet his objectives. So I said, you know what? I have an auto and transport category on Portiero and mechanics would fit in nicely because that's a service that all consumers will use. And it also gives these mechanics and part sellers and garages a chance to make money after hours, during hours, whatever the case may be. And then at the same time, by you partnering with Portiero, you get to go to market quicker. It gives an extra benefit for the consumers that will be utilizing Portiero because now you have mechanics on demand. Mm-hmm. Right? Now you have garages that you can rent out to have an oil change on a Sunday or a windshield wiper replaced because you didn't have time to do it during regular hours or hours that these facilities or brick and mortar locations were open. Now you have convenience. And that's the whole purpose is how do we create convenience for all of our users? And that includes our business owners. How do we at Portiero give you as a service provider or a business owner the opportunity to create your own business, leveraging a platform that will be global without spending as much money as you have to be, have to use to be a unique or a specific niche app. Why don't you just join the marketplace? I love it. It makes perfect sense. So for but, those who are service providers and they are listening to this episode and they are just, uh, biting at the bit and they want to know well how do I get you know how do I you know become part of this uh, ecosystem what is the best way to reach out to you and uh, work with you long term yeah so email me uh, my email is a-r-t-h-u-r-b at s-c-h-e-j-i-n-c dot com that's arthurb dot com you can sign up as a consumer or a service provider, and also local nonprofits. If you go to the website, portiero.com, P-O-R-T-E-I-R-O.com, there's a landing page, but there are specific pages, and then you can sign up through that website, 
and we'll receive that information and we'll reach out to you. I would love the nonprofit organizations, you know, to sign up, you know, as, as soon as possible because we want to partner with you because we want to increase the contributions to them, you know, with every service transaction so they don't have to ask for money. Because the key is how do we eliminate the seasonality of contributions and make it as part of everyday transactions? Now, I do have a question with that. If I'm not able, if if, a, the, if the nonprofit does not sign up with you, am I still able to give to that nonprofit or will it only be the nonprofits that sign up? So there's two-sided, right? So we will have partnering nonprofits where these are partners or nonprofit organizations where we will profile them in the app. Gotcha. You know, they have a logo, they have a description and overview of their purpose. But then there would be the other side where we'll just have the list of nonprofits that are IRS approved. They'll be in the app. You would have to scroll through and find those. But we do plan on in- incorporating artificial intelligence. So, for example, if you're, if you're passionate about a specific cause and a specific nonprofit, the idea is you can personalize that section for that particular nonprofit or nonprofits right. that you historically give to. That way you don't have to keep scrolling. That way it's personalized for you. And that's the whole key of this app is how do we personalize your services unique to you? Whatever you want to do throughout the course of the year, haircut, landscaping, house cleaning, car wash, personal chef, whatever the case may be, you can forecast it out for a year, schedule with these service providers. You don't have to worry about it no more. And if you need to reschedule because something comes up because life happens, then you have that option in the app to, you know, there's a calendar sync. We're syncing with iCalendar, Google, and Outlook, and it'll sync automatically with the service provider's calendar. And then you can reschedule your appointments and so forth because we know things happen. You know, kids get sick, um, flights are delayed, you're running behind on work. So the idea is personalize those services, and that includes personalizing those nonprofits that you're passionate about. So you only see what you want to see. Now, you might have just dropped a bombshell here. <laughs> Did you just say that I can, you know, plan this all out for a whole year? Yes, that is the goal is you plan, you identify your frequently recur, requiring, recurring services. You schedule it out. Whether it's every week, every day, biweekly, monthly, quarterly, once a year, six months. And then you don't have to worry about it no more because it's scheduled. The service provider have it on their calendar. If you need to change, you can SMS, text, an app, say, hey, I can't. So he gave me a scenario. He's like, all right, what if this athlete and his family are traveling? How would they use that? I'm like, well, most of these athletes, they already have preferred providers that they naturally use, whether they're on the road or they bring them with them and they pay them cash or they pay them through a credit card. But here's a way, whereas if you can bring in your MBA schedule and your off days and say you want to schedule, I want a haircut, I did a massage, I want to have a yoga lesson, I want to work out outside of the MBA facility because I'm on the road or whatever the case may be, I'm traveling, vacation. You can schedule all of that stuff so it's always happening that you don't have to go pick up the phone. You don't have to call around. You have to go searching. You don't have to ask for referrals. You just pull up Portero, find your provider, schedule it out for a year, no matter what city, what country. That's the goal, and you don't have to worry about it. 
I love it. You really are allowing us for us to be treated like royalty. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, now I get to sit back and, and say, hey, you know, the world that I want to create, I want it to come to me and I want it a certain type of way. This is what I want. Let yes. me map it all out and let's play this game at the fullest potential. Yes. How do I give you the gift of time? That's, mm. that's the whole purpose, right? I love it. The gift of time. Gift I, and, of time. And it makes so much sense uh, with your fo- foundational story that you provided. Uh, understanding the importance of time. Yes. Because uh, a lot of people don't know that. They don't know how important it is to have time work for you instead of you work for time. Arthur, are you there? Uh, I'm still here. Yes. Okay, awesome. No, I, I agree. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, everybody go ahead and, and uh, support Fortero and, uh, you know, go to the website, reach out to Arthur. I thank you for coming on the podcast and letting us know about this. I know you're saying it's going to launch uh, in uh, December or January. And so we're looking forward to, you know, seeing how everything progresses and the doors are open for you to come back, you know, as launch happens and we continue the conversation so people can keep being informed of this opportunity. I know I'm going to be signing up. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) And I also want to make sure that I'm a, a provider. Uh, for those out there who want to get their message out, I'm not sure how it would work, but I want to make sure that, you know, we have a, a set time to have people on the podcast that, you know, want a quick 15, 20 minute episode so then they can get their message out for the different services that they provide. Uh, I think that would be awesome for the culture as well. Yeah, I, I appreciate any opportunities. You know, we can conduct webinars together so yes. we can educate, you know, a lot of our service providers or people that are thinking about entering, you know, become a solo entrepreneur or a business owner or a service provider, you know, let's have a chat. Let's schedule some webinars or some chat sessions and we can discuss those opportunities because that's the whole purpose is how do we give opportunities for these individuals to start a business using the power of a mobile device that they have in their hand because there is a lot of technology within that mobile device. Matter of fact, you know, and, and I know we're short on time is there's 30 emerging technologies that are available today. We'll be utilizing or incorporating that into the app over time, but there's 10 emerging technologies that we will be incorporating in this app, such as the on-demand and some other, you know, provisional patented solutions that we'll have in there. But I want to, the whole purpose is how do we give these opportunities to service providers to go mobile from day one and they don't have to go lease this commercial real estate and go in the red from day one. They don't have to go sign that one, two, three-year lease. They can go mobile, obtain yeah. their licenses, and you know buy the necessary equipment and, and go mobile from day one. They don't have to be bound uh, to a specific location. They can be no. free. No. Now, do you think, now this might be, I don't know if this would fit. Now, I know some people, they're in particular cities at a specific time. So here's what I mean. Like, if I'm a, a private chef, I may not only be in one city. So sometimes I'm in California. Sometimes I'm in Miami if I'm a private chef. Well, they have that capability of saying, well, during these times, I'm in these different areas. So then they get different clientele depending on where they are. 
Yeah. Because it's location-based, similar okay. to your ride-sharing apps. It's location-based, right? So they s- select their availability, and if you're needing a chef and you're in Atlanta, Philly, New York, L.A., whatever the case may be, and that chef happens to pop up, then you select that chef. Or that chef, we will probably have the capabilities, whereas he notifies, you know, like, hey, family, he or she, you know, notifies people through the app, like, hey, I'm in the city, I'm in your city. If you're looking for a personal chef, um, you know, events, you know, call me up, text me, schedule me. I'm available during these hours and, you know, book that time and and conduct business. So that's the whole purpose. I love it. I love it. I am looking forward to continuing this conversation on our future uh, co-sponsored webinars. You already spoke it into existence. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We're going to somehow put together uh, a really great platform for us to continue the conversation and let people uh, kind of, you know, sit there and listen in and learn how they can elevate their business by going mobile, being, you know, independent entrepreneurs uh, and investors. Um, so I thank you for having this conversation. And I look forward to building a stronger connection with you over time. Thank you, DJ, for the opportunity. And for everyone that's listening, life is short. Live it now. Think Patero. Yes. God bless. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Have a great day and a weekend. You as well, Arthur. Thank you for listening to the Black Equity Podcast. I am inviting you to join the exclusive Sip and Share Wine Club, which offers monthly and quarterly memberships available, deliveries of two, four, or six bottles of sweet, dry, or both wines right to your door at a 10% discount. Only 100 monthly members accept it. Begin enjoying all the privileges and benefits that go along with belonging to the club. There is no fee to join. You only pay the cost of your wine plus tax and shipping. Two wines is $38 plus tax and shipping. Four wines is $76 plus tax and shipping. And six wines is $114 plus taxes and shipping. Once again, join the Sip and Share Wine Club. This is your invite. Only 100 monthly members accepted.